Well, once again, welcome to St. John. My name is Dion. So good to be here with you. For those of you who are in the room, also those of you who are joining us online. In fact, I want to give a shout out to some of our, our live streamers. I want to say hi to Joshua in Fort Drum, New York. I say hi to Lexi in Maryville, Missouri. I think Northwest Missouri State uh, is the school. Um, Melinda from Austin, Texas, and Caroline from New York, New York, from Manhattan. I want to welcome all of you. And if you're watching online right now, if you're tuning in, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a tweet and let us know where you're at. And uh, we'd, we'd love to be able to say hi to you too. Now, this week, as we begin today's ordinary story, or a story about an ordinary guy, I should say, an ordinary guy with anything but an ordinary name, this guy by the name of Jehoshaphat. Gosh, can you imagine what second grade on the playground was like for Jehoshaphat with that name? Man alive. Um, before we get into his story, I want you to think about your personal relationship with the truth. What's your personal relationship with the truth like? You know, are there times in life where you need to know something about yourself in those moments, what do you do? I mean, do, do, you, do you seek information? Do you not? Who do you ask if you're seeking the truth about yourself? You know, me and my life, uh, I, I know it depends. It depends on what I'm seeking exactly. If I'm trying to find out if I have food in my teeth or if I'm trying to find out how my message was last weekend, it's going to depend who I ask for input, right? If it's food between my teeth, I, I'm going I'm to find a truth seeker or a truth speaker rather, someone who's going to give it to me straight and say, yes, bro, you need floss right now because... You need to know this stuff in life, right? But aren't there all those other things in life, at least there are for me, where I kind of already know what I want to hear before I even ask the question. It's regarding my message last weekend. I'm going to try to find someone who tells me it was great, it was life-changing, and they've never felt closer to God, right? And by the way, if that's you, just raise your hand, and I'll, I'll talk to you after the service about this week's message because I figure my odds would be pretty good there. Is that just me, or is that something we all do? So I want to ask you to think about your personal relationship with the truth. What is that relationship like? So this week we're actually going to look at two different men who had two very different relationships with the truth. One of them is kind of our, our title character, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. But this other guy we're going to look at is, is also a king. His name is King Ahab of Israel. Now this all takes place at a time in, in the Bible when the nation of Israel split into, my TV's not working, the nation of Israel split into two uh, kingdoms. Uh, so you see up there on the big screen, um, there's, a, there's a northern kingdom called Israel, and then there's a southern kingdom called Judah. Now um, Israel for a long time was just one kingdom. It was just Israel. But they experienced a civil war, a total like north versus south kind of thing, um, union versus confederacy, and they actually split into two separate kingdoms. And the north retained the name Israel, and the south, well, because you can't have two Israels, uh, the south came to be known by the name of Judah. So the north is Israel, the south is Judah. And, um, and over the north, there was this line of kings who were really, really wicked kings, bad kings. And Ahab the guy that we're going to look at today, king of Israel, was one of these bad kings. Ahab was a wicked, wicked king. If you don't know of Ahab, you maybe have heard of his wife, Jezebel. She was so bad that, like, that's kind of a thing now. If someone calls you a Jezebel, it's not a compliment, right? Um, so that's Ahab of the north. But then of the south, they, they kind of had some better kings there in the south. In the south, um, in, at least in this time that we're going to look at, was King Jehoshaphat. 
And, and in the south, they had better kings. And Jehoshaphat was a good guy. He wasn't perfect, but he was a good guy. And he fought against the idol worship that was so prominent during his day. And he really wanted to serve God. Now, Jehoshaphat did something unwise, though. Uh, Jehoshaphat made an alliance with Ahab of the north. Two separate kingdoms. And he made an alliance with Ahab of the north. And, um, and basically agreed, you know, like in a military treaty, that, that they would support each other no matter what. So uh, that wasn't exactly the smartest thing. And today we're going to see how that started to get Jehoshaphat and Ahab into some trouble. As, um, as you see in this graphic way up at the top, that Aram, this other nation way up there in the north, causes some problems for Israel and, and there's going to be some conflict and Jehoshaphat gets sucked into it. So that's all I'm going to say right now, but I want to go into the scripture. Uh, does my TV work yet? Someone going to fix my TV? Anyone? So I'm going to get out here and fix my TV. Um, so uh, while we're doing this, we'll see if the TV works. Um, but I'll, I'll read you the scriptures from here. We're going to go to 2 Chronicles chapter 18, starting at verse 1. Uh, in your pew Bible, it's um, for something. In your kid's Bible, your adventure Bible, I think it's page 501. So if you're a second grader and you just got a new Bible, um, it's page 501 in that Bible. So 2 Chronicles chapter 18, starting at verse 1. It says, Now Jehoshaphat had great wealth and honor, and he allied himself with King Ahab by marriage. Some years later, he went down. I just told you about that, right? There was this alliance by marriage. Some years later, Jehoshaphat went to see Ahab in Samaria. And Ahab, the king of the north, slaughtered many sheep and cattle for him and the people with him and urged Jehoshaphat to join him in attacking Ramoth-Gilead. Ahab, king of Israel, asked Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, will you go with me against Ramoth-Gilead? Jehoshaphat replied, I am as you are, and my people are as your people, and we will join you in the war. So, uh, great. Basically, uh, what, well, that's kind of weird. Uh, but basically what we have here is uh, all kinds of weird stuff happening. By the way, we have a tech open house on October 10th. And uh, if you want to know more about this, or if you think you can fix this stuff for me, I'd welcome you to come to that open house to discover more. Um, it's all really complicated stuff. So um, Jehoshaphat, remember I told you he made an alliance with Ahab. He goes up to visit Ahab, and Ahab says, hey, you know, he makes a big feast and flatters him and says, I need your help dealing with a problem. The problem is these Aramites to the north. And there's this city, Ramoth-Gilead, where um, there has been, there's been a territory dispute. We've been fighting over some of the same land, and I want you to help me claim this land back for Israel. And Jehoshaphat, because they've made an alliance, they've made an alliance, Jehoshaphat says, okay, all right, you know, I've already promised as I am, or as you are, I am, as your people will be, my people will be, I will, I will join you in the war. Not wise of Jehoshaphat, because again, Ahab's a bad guy. He's a wicked king. And yet Jehoshaphat is wise enough to make a condition to all this. So he puts a condition on this, and he says, uh, first, Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, Ahab, first, here's what I want you to do. I want you to seek the counsel of the Lord. So I will go to fight with you if you ask God about this first. Ahab says, fair enough. So here's what he does. He says, so Ahab, the king of Israel, brought together the prophets, 400 men, and asked them, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or shall I not? Go, they answered, for God will give it into the king's hand. But Jehoshaphat asked, is there no longer a prophet of the Lord here? whom we can inquire of? Now, maybe that sounds a little weird because Ahab had just assembled 400 prophets and he asked them this question and they give him a unanimous, go ahead, 
you know, if you go, you're going to win. It's all going to be good for you. And yet Jehoshaphat knows what Ahab's doing here. See, Ahab is a guy who had actually persecuted the true prophets of God, the true true prophets of the Lord. Um, And they had been sent into hiding, and he had murdered many of them. And and so these 400 guys that he's gathered around him, they aren't true prophets of the Lord. These are professional yes-men. These are prophets of other religions or prophets who claim to be true prophets. But they had gotten really, really good at telling the king exactly what he wants to hear. And Jehoshaphat knows that. And so Jehoshaphat says, okay, you got these 400 guys, but I don't see among their number a true prophet, a prophet of the Lord. Is there no one left in Israel who can speak to us the truth about what God is saying? And I want you to see how Ahab answers. Ahab, the king of Israel, answered Jehoshaphat, there is still one prophet through whom we can inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. Because he never prophesies anything good about me, but always bad. His name is Micah, or I'm sorry, Micaiah, son of Imlot. So Ahab says, yeah, there, there is one prophet out there who will speak the truth to us, but I don't like the guy. Because every time I ask him about something, he just gives me bad news. So I've just quit asking. Now this, this would be laughable if it didn't hit so close to home. I think about my own life, and you should think about yours too, and I think, how often in life do I seek a friendly word over a true word? How often does that happen? I mean, think for yourself right now about your choice of friends. When you're picking friends, do you gather around yourself people who will speak the truth to you, who will challenge you, who sometimes rub you the wrong way because, because they, you know, they don't anything, let anything slide in your life? Or do you surround yourself with people who are there to reassure you, to uh, make you believe that everything is fine, that your choices, your worldview, your lifestyle, it's okay. Who do you gather around yourself? Friends who speak the truth or friends who tell you what you want to hear? Or what about the media? I mean, there are tons of channels and, and, uh, and, and networks and bloggers, and I mean, there's so much media today. Which media sources do you gravitate toward? Those that have integrity, those that are known to speak the truth in an unbiased way? Or do you find yourself gravitating to the ones who just kind of say it like you want to hear it? Those sources that jive with, uh, with your own biases or your own understanding of how things work. Those sources that are friendly to your views. Or what about churches? Got to be careful here because we're in one, right? But, you know, Paul, the Apostle Paul once said that he, he predicted that a day was coming when people would no longer put up with truthful teaching, but instead they would chase after whatever their itching ears wanted to hear. By the way, I don't think you had to wait very long for that prediction to come true. Because people are people, and, and so often, I mean, when you come to the church, are you eager for a true word, no matter how difficult or painful or threatening it may be to you or challenging? Or do you find yourself gravitating toward teachings that you just kind of like to hear? A message you want or a message you need? Now, right now, I think going on inside of a lot of us uh, is that we're sitting here saying, I don't think I do that. Now, of course we think that. None of us believes that we deliberately shun the truth. In fact, I don't think Ahab would really believe it either. He had persuaded himself that it wasn't really a truth issue. It was just that Micaiah didn't like him, right? But Jehoshaphat is a different kind of guy. Jehoshaphat's sitting there and he's just going, nah, this this isn't right. If we're going to go up to battle, we need someone to speak to us the truth. And and so... uh, Ahab's like, yeah, there's one guy, but I don't want to talk to this guy because he always says bad things about me. And look what Jehoshaphat says. 
Thanks, tech team, for getting this fixed, by the way. Um, The king should not say such a thing, Jehoshaphat replied. So the king of Israel called one of his officials and said, Okay, bring Micaiah, son of Imlah, at once. He's just doing this to appease Jehoshaphat right now. Ahab's already gotten his answer, but he needs Jehoshaphat to be in this, uh, this battle with him. And so he's humoring him. So dressed in their royal robes, the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones at the threshing floor by the entrance of the gate of the capital, Samaria, with all of the prophets, you know, these 400 false prophets just endlessly prophesying before them. It gets kind of funny here. Now Zedekiah, son of Kenanah, one of these prophets, had made iron horns, and, you know, he's laying it on thick, and he stands before him, and he he declared, this is what the Lord says, with these horns you will gore the Arameans until they are destroyed. And all the other prophets said, amen. You know, they're prophesying the same thing. Attack Ramoth Gilead and be victorious, they said, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. Now the messenger who had gone to summon Micaiah said to him, look, The other prophets, without exception, are predicting success for the king. So let your word agree with theirs and speak favorably if you want to have a career in this town, right? If everyone will work in this town again, agree. And and yet Micaiah said, as surely as the Lord lives, I can tell him only what my God says. Micaiah says, I'm not into playing these games. I'm not here to tell the king what he wants to hear. I'm a prophet of of God. I'm, I'm here to speak the truth. But this is kind of odd. So it says, when he arrived... The king asked him, Ahab asked him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or shall I not? And look at how Micaiah answers. Attack and be victorious, he answered, for they will be given into your hand. Wait a minute. He just answered like those 400 other guys. What's going on here? Well, once again, you have a bright and shining example of sarcasm in the Bible. This is sarcasm. This is sarcasm. Micaiah is laying it on thick, and, and Ahab actually knows it. Because watch Ahab's, Ahab's reaction to him here in the next verse. The king said to him, How many times must I make you swear to tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? He knows he's being mocked. Then Micaiah is just, you know, hey, I know who you are, Ahab. You want, you want people to tell you what you want to hear. And so, uh, fine. You know, I'll just, I'll just say what you want to hear. And uh, Micaiah is mocking him and all the rest of the prophets here. But the king says, no, no, I want you to tell me the truth. So then Micaiah gives him the real answer. Micaiah said, I saw all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, these people have no master. Let each one go home in peace. So Micaiah then tells him the truth. And the truth is, if you go up to battle against these people, your armies will be defeated, they'll be scattered on the hills, and they will be like sheep without a shepherd. They will have no master. In other words, Ahab, if you go to battle, you're going to die. The Lord will take your life in this battle. Heavy truth. You know, none of the other 400 are saying this, of course. Micaiah is this lone voice. And I want you to see what Ahab's reaction is to this word spoken by the prophet Micaiah. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, See, didn't I tell you that he never prophesies anything good about me, but only bad? I mean, totally puts it on Micaiah, right? See, it's, it's not my fault, Ahab says. This guy just loves to say bad stuff about me. And, and, and Ahab can't even fathom the fact that it may not be Micaiah's issue. It may be his issue because he's a wicked king. But how irresistible is this for us to do? 
You know, even when the truth breaks into our life and we hear it plainly, man, isn't it so tempting to resist the truth, to reject the truth? And why do we do that? See, I know the, I know the truth is truth and it should be good, but, but let's talk about the reality of the truth. The truth isn't always easy. I mean, for starters, the truth hurts. There's a saying that says that, but it's, 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 it's valid. The truth hurts. The last thing on earth that Ahab wanted to hear is that he was going to lose a key battle and even die in that battle. You don't want to hear that. That's painful to hear. And in life, there are all kinds of truths that we, we shield ourselves from because we don't want to hear them because they're just too painful. We can't, we can't handle the truth. And so we, 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 you know, we conveniently move away from it. Or what about this? The, the truth rattles our confidence. So often the truth rattles our confidence. You know, I, I get insecure about the decisions I make. I think a lot of us do. And so what we do is we look for people who will reassure us at all costs so that we don't have to live feeling insecure. Don't we? And yet, if you have a truth speaker in your life, you know that sometimes you're trying your best. You're trying to figure out life. You're trying to figure out how to raise your kids. You're trying to figure out how to spend your money. And a truth speaker comes into your life, and, and they just rattle your confidence in a way that's so uncomfortable that sometimes we would just rather push them away. Or how about the fact that truth kills pride? So you can't love the truth and love being right. Christians, I'm saying this to you again. You can't love the truth and also love being right. Because if you love the truth, then you're going to have to admit time and time again that you were wrong, that you were wrong, because you don't have all the truth. God will lead you in the truth. He will reveal more truth to you. And if you love the truth, then it's going to mean a life of saying, hey, I thought I was right back then, but I was wrong, and admitting that and confessing that to people around you. But I think in my own life, in a lot of our lives, we would rather be right than love the truth. And so uh, when we are presented with evidence that says that maybe we aren't right, we'd rather be right anyway and, and live, in, live in deception. Or how about the fact that truth upsets the status quo? Truth is horribly inconvenient sometimes. See, I think in life what often happens is uh, we build a life based on what we believe is true. And so we create values based on what we believe is true and we set a, a life direction and we create goals based on what we believe is true in life and you know, we craft this whole worldview and, and, and then you end up with this, this pretty nice life. And See, what happens if you leave yourself open to the truth, though, is that God may drop a truth bomb in your life someday and it may obliterate everything, everything you've known about life and, and essentially you have to start over from square one Rebuilding your worldview, rebuilding your plans and dreams and hopes, rebuilding your lifestyle around that new truth. That is horribly inconvenient, isn't it? Who wants to start over at 40 and say, you know, my whole life's been wrong, or 50 or 60, and say, I've been on the wrong path, but, but now there's this truth in my life, and I'm going to do life differently. That's exhausting to think about. And so, so often we settle for the convenience of the status quo over the truth. See, see, the truth is good, and, and I know we kind of value the truth, and yet this is the reality behind the truth. When you really are a truth seeker, it's not easy to be a person of truth. It's not easy to hunger and thirst and crave the truth in your life. And so what happens is we do so often what Ahab does. 
See, again, a story of two men who have very different relationships with the truth. And I think you'll probably be able to see yourself in both of them. But, but certainly you can see yourself in Ahab because Ahab, he knows that the truth will cost him all of these things. And so what does he do? Well, first he insulates himself, and so do we, right? We, we insulate ourselves, we isolate ourselves from people who speak differently. Ahab assembled 400 prophets who would say exactly what he wanted them to say. And how often do we do the same? We insulate ourselves and surround ourselves only with voices who will say exactly what we want to say. And then if that doesn't work, then we go to our backup strategy. And our backup strategy is, if the truth happens to get through, if, you know, Micaiah comes in and he speaks the truth to us, then we look for every reason possible to discount it. Right? That guy never says anything good about me. See, he just hates me. That's why he says that stuff. We look for reasons to get offended. Or we cut truth truth speakers out of our lives. Or we look for ways to discredit them. They don't know what they're talking about. Or we look for others who will help us discredit them. Yeah, she's just jealous of you. He's just jealous of you. They just don't like you. I don't know what their problem is anyway. What's the matter with that guy? Tell me this isn't true in life. To protect ourselves from the reality of the truth, we insulate ourselves. And then when, when a rogue, you know, truth missile breaks through, then we do everything we can to dodge it, to avoid it, to explain it away. See, I think it's especially true in communities like this one. You know, if you're streaming online, I don't know what your community's like. But here in this community, here in West St. Louis County, I think this is especially true because here we are and we're surrounded by people who look a lot like us, who uh, believe like we do, vote like we do, act like we do, think like we do. And we can start to believe that because there are 500 people in the room who kind of all look and think and act and believe the same and vote the same, it it can be easy to believe that, well, hey, we must must be right. Because look at all the people I got around me who who are telling me the same thing. It can become so easy for us to become insulated or isolated from the truth. And then when some rogue voice breaks in, it's so easy to then, because we've got numbers on our side, just to discount those voices, to dismiss those voices, to eradicate them before they can do any harm. But, you know, truth doesn't work that way. Truth doesn't depend on, you know, polls or statistics. It doesn't need an army of yes men around it to protect it. It doesn't need a guard. See, see truth, a single word of truth, one guy speaking against 400 prophets, that's got power. Truth always has the power to stand on its own. And yet we work so hard to protect ourselves from the truth because it hurts, it rattles our confidence, it kills our pride, it upsets the status quo. And this is exactly what Ahab is struggling with. So he's got these 400 guys who are telling him what he wants to hear. This one guy who's speaking the truth to him because he's a true prophet of God. And Ahab, he's not having it. He doesn't have to listen to this. And so I want you to see how Ahab decides to move forward. Jump into verse 25 or skip a few verses. It says, Ahab, the king of Israel, then ordered, Take Micaiah and send him back to Ammon, the ruler of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say... This is what the king says. Put this fellow in prison. See, being a truth speaker doesn't always pay, at least not in earthly ways. Put this fellow in prison and give him nothing but bread and water until I return safely. In other words, this is an insurance policy for Ahab. Instead of listening to the prophet, he says, you know what, buddy? You're going to get locked up in jail. You're having nothing but bread and water until I get home safely. So, in other words, it's in your best interest, Micaiah, that I get home safely. 
doesn't at all receive his truth. Instead, he moves to, you know, this, this act of intimidation. But look at how Micaiah responds. Micaiah declared, if you ever return safely, then the Lord has not spoken through me. You know, if you come back alive, then I'm a liar. But, he added, mark my words, all you people. In other words, I'm not lying. This is how it's going to go down. And you know what Ahab does after that? He still goes into battle. And Jehoshaphat goes with him because he's been, you know, put into this alliance and he kind of has to out of integrity. So he goes along with him and uh, Ahab tries to disguise himself because he's kind of spooked by Micaiah's words and he makes Jehoshaphat dress up like him and, and he's in battle just kind of as one of the men and, and a stray arrow gets launched and it uh, manages to hit a weak spot in Ahab's armor and he dies in battle. Just as Micaiah said, a senseless, pointless death that could have been avoided if he would have listened to the truth. And Jehoshaphat, on the other hand, who wasn't always the wisest guy, doesn't always make the best decisions, but has a good heart and is a truth seeker, he's spared in that battle. And in fact, he goes on to live a lot of years and reigns over Judah and does a pretty good job as king. See, see here's the thing. When we talk about truth-seeking, it can easily get to this moral argument that, you know, it's just, it's just morally right to seek the truth, that it's a good thing to do, that if you're a Christian person of integrity, you should seek the truth. And of course, that's all true. But today, I, I want to challenge you to think about seeking the truth in a different way. See, the reason you should seek the truth is because God wants to lead you into a good life. God wants to bless you with good things. God is a very, very good God. And, and even though the truth doesn't always work out in the near term for you, ultimately, if, if you're willing to seek the truth at all costs, then God wants to bless you. But, but see, we play these games with God. We try to dodge the truth. We try to get away with is just enough truth that we possibly can so that we can still, you know, hold our heads high and be a person of integrity because we don't realize that, that if it's a truth from God, it's ultimately for our good. And see, this is what Jehoshaphat's life shows. This is what Ahab's life shows the opposite of, is that when you seek the truth at all costs, it actually works out for you. And the scriptures speak about this. I want, I want to close with this quickly. That truth seekers get first, they get prosperity. They get life. Ahab hates the truth and he dies. Jehoshaphat seeks the truth and he lives. It's as simple as that. And, and Proverbs backs this up. It says not only do truth seekers get prosperity in life, but they also can help other people find prosperity in life. A truthful witness saves lives, but a false witness is deceitful and costs people lives. So, so truth seekers, what do you get for it? Not just you know, a badge of honor that you're a truth-speaking Christian, but you get prosperity. You get life. Secondly, truth seekers get enlightenment. Jesus says in, in John, he says, whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. When you live by the truth, you come into the light and it's good to live in the light. Who wants to live in the darkness all the time? I know the darkness permits cover so you can get away with stuff, but if you've seen Lord of the Rings, if you know Gollum, the character, you're like, right, living in the darkness for a long time, it is not good for you. It, it, it's not good for your soul. Who wants to live your life in, in darkness? When you seek the truth, you get enlightenment. Not only do you learn and discover new truths, but you get to live your life in the warmth, in the brightness, in the health of the light. 
Third, truth seekers get growth. Instead, it says in uh, Ephesians, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow. You see that? Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. If you need to grow up in life or mature, then the truth is a way to do that. And if you insulate yourself from the truth, you'll never grow. You'll be left as an immature person. Truth seekers get growth. Um, Finally, uh, not finally, fourth, truth seekers get freedom. Famous verse from Jesus, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. We're afraid of the truth because it hurts and, you know, it kills our pride and it rattles our confidence and it's inconvenient. And that's all, yeah, I get it. But you see the promise here? That if you're willing to seek the truth, you get freedom. And I don't know about you, but I would take a life of of some hurt and some shaky confidence and all the rest. I, I would take a life like that if that means I can be free. But on the flip side, if, if, you, if you don't seek the truth because you want to protect yourself and protect your ego and not shake your confidence and not have to upset your life, then realize what you're doing. You, you're relegating yourself to a life of prison. And then, and then finally, truth seekers get Jesus. Now, I know this sounds trite, but um, we often think that Jesus, he's the one who has the truth. But that's not actually accurate. Jesus doesn't have the truth. Jesus said it much more strongly. He said he, he is the truth. Look at his words in John. He said, uh, I am the way and the truth and the life. See that? I am the truth. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's a big claim, isn't it? Jesus doesn't say, hey, come to me and I have the truth. He says, no, no, no. I am the truth. And so what this means for us is that no matter how threatening it can be to to open ourselves up to the truth at all costs, no matter how uncomfortable, uncomfortable it can be to seek the truth, no matter what, when you seek the truth, not only do you get life and prosperity and freedom and growth, and but you get Jesus. See, no pursuit of truth, and this is why, you know, if, if you're someone who's just kind of checking out Christianity. I'm not asking you to like, to like sign on the dotted line today. I'm just saying, hey, if you pursue the truth about who God is, if you just do that in an open way, an honest way, I believe you'll ultimately find Jesus because he is the truth. You'll get there. And that's not even, I, you don't have to stack the deck in your favor. Just be honest. Just be open. Because if you seek the truth, you'll get Jesus. Now, if you're a Christian person sitting here today, this is a challenge I'd give to you too. Because if you're a Christian person who doesn't highly value the truth in your life, then I think you only have a fraction of Jesus and God wants to give you so much more. He wants to give you the fullness of who Jesus is. All of Jesus. See, why settle for anything less than the truth? Because it's painful, because it'll mess with our ego, because it makes our life difficult? Come on. See, through the truth, God wants to do so many great things in our lives. Can we just trust him? And so today, I want you to think for a second. This is your challenge this week. Uh, I want you to think for a second about what, what are the ways that God primarily brings truth into your life? You know those moments in life where you know that God was speaking truth to you? What are those ways that God primarily brings truth into your life? Are they by coming to church? Maybe this is one of the ways. Is it by uh, spending your 15 in your Bible every day? You know, is it just in that time with God that, that God just speaks words of truth to you and, and you can hear him? 
Is it reading good books written by Christian authors? Is it, is it, is it through, a, through a truth-speaking friend? Someone who you know will always tell you the truth. How does God primarily speak truth into your life? And here's my challenge to you this week, is to do more of that. Put yourself in the company of that more than you currently are this week, this month. So, you know, if it's going to church, then why come to church once or twice a month? Why not do that more often? Or if it's, a, if it's a great friend in your life who speaks the truth, why not spend more time with them rather than all those other friends who are just trying to, to keep you on the path that you're on and telling you what you want to hear? If it's spending time in your Bible and you know that's good for your soul every day, then why not make sure you do that every day so that you can know the truth, you can hear the truth, you can have the truth, and all the truth brings in to your life. See, whatever it is, the challenge is do more of that. Be a truth seeker, not just because it's a good thing to do, a moral thing to do, because it's a life-giving thing to do.